welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Last, and with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy O's, who you've all been waiting for. It's Mr. Paul Levy. <laughs> Said nobody ever. Hello, everybody. Thanks for that, Steve. Welcome back. This is episode number 244. And as always, thanks to everyone who tuned into last week's show. This week, not going to lie, got a bit of a moan fest for you, quite an aggravated podcast, I think it's fair to say, coming up. Uh, obviously, as we've lost two games that, you know, this time last week when we were recording, thought at least one of them was very, very winnable. Um, bit of an embarrassing episode in our flirt with the playoff places, but as always, we start off with a word from our amazing sponsors. We're delighted to have them on board. Yeah, and our amazing sponsors are AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company covering all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans. I'm not sure that offer still stands to the players after the week that we've had, but I'm sure we'll find out when the man himself joins us later on. No, of course it does. Of course it does. So... If you need any plastering or rendering done, if you need more information for the best prices around, you can look at their website at www.agefplastering.co.uk or if you want to email Adam and the boys, you can email them at agefplastering at outlook.com and if you're on social media, don't worry, so are AGF Plastering. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram at AGF Plastering or you can find Adam on Twitter at Big Ads L-O-F-C and our sponsor will be appearing later on in this very very podcast absolutely well done there so let's move on then to the week that was course monday the 19th of april joby mackenough was named the manager of the weekend in the sky bet league two team of the week so well done to joby what a difference a seven makes. days mm. make so let's move on and that's as happy as it's going to get so if you're after a happy podcast press stop Go and listen to something else because we are now entering to Huey Tuesday, the 20th of April, when Cambridge United visited the home of football, Brisbane Road. The team was announced at 6pm of Lawrence Vigaru in goal at the back, Tunjak and Ola, Jamie Turley, Dan Happy and James Brophy, midfield of Usise, Hector Kiprianu, Louis Dennis and up top, Connor Wilkinson, Dan Kemp and Danny Johnson, the DJ himself. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Joe Willowson, Josh Coulson, Joby McEnough, Craig Clay, Nick Freeman and Ruel Sotiriou. That's right. The lineup saw one change from Saturday's starting 11 as Clay Craig dropped... Sorry, let me start that again. Craig Clay dropped to the bench for Usise, who was made captain for this match. And Ruel Sotiriou is back in the matchday squad at the expense of Tristan Abrahams with Dan Johnson making his 50th late in Orient appearance. And worth noting that Wes Houlihan did not start or appear in the matchday squad for Cambridge, which for me was a bit of a welcome relief. But Steve, your views on, on that lineup? Yeah, no real surprise for me. I thought Hector would come back in uh, at Hector's expense rather than Craig Clay's expense. So interesting to see that Ooze got the captain's armband, not one who I would uh, associate with captain's role, if I was honest. But, you know, we talked about the need for an attacking threat and attacking options and that's kind of what's been letting us down so I was surprised not to see Abrahams on the bench as well obviously you've got you know Widowson and Colson, McEnough Clay Freeman but only one recognised striker I thought we may have seen Abrahams on the bench as well but good to see Sotoriu back 
as well. So is my views. What about yours, Bearded Legend? Well, Clay's been off the boil for a few games now, so I think it's a good call to give him a rest, although I'm not sure that Cissé's the answer. Um, I think for me, Oos needs to have an amazing game, especially as he's got the pressure, the added pressure of being captain. Is he captain material? Don't really know him well enough. Haven't really ever seen him with the armband before. So it's a, a real big call from Joby. Um, I hope Dennis has another good game. I thought he was good last week um, with his delivery. Uh, no Houlihan for them, which, as I said earlier, is a, a huge bonus for us. And I was thinking maybe we went 4-2-3-1 tonight with uh, Cissé and, and Kiprianu as the holding midfielder. So all in all, just to, I guess, sum that up, just a bit of an interesting line-up. Slightly experimental, given it's a bit dangerous to do that, given that we're playing top of the league and the informed Cambridge United. I thought that was a bit a bit of a brave one for Joby, to be honest with you, and maybe probably not the best thing to be doing. But we'll see. Well, at the time, I'm obviously thinking, see how this pans out. Yeah, so lots of tweets came into us once that team was announced. We thank everyone who engages and continues to engage with us here at Orient Outlook podcast towers billy carroll gb started off where's the creativity coming from the midfield lewis fear underscore said rotation is key to be successful and i think he left cissé out on saturday for this game as he is a little more defensive minded maybe trying to catch them on the counter tonight yeah good point there from lewis wilco 300 said joby putting his faith in hector big call Go and prove him right, young man. Lee Boyce 13 said, Midfield is more balanced with Cissé and Hector playing the holding roles. Fair point yes, there, Lee, thanks, as well. Yeah, very fair point. Thanks to everyone who sent us their mm. tweets. So the O's got the game underway in a bright, chilly Tuesday night in E10. So at this point, the O's playoff hopes very much still in life. It came United, came as league leaders, and they had aspirations of their own to go up automatically. So we knew it was going to be mm. a difficult game. And in the fourth minute, DJ forced Burton into a superb save after Vigorous long goal kick found DJ in behind the two Cambridge centre-halves and his shot was superbly saved by Burton. Yeah, Danny Johnson's been excellent there. Uh, exactly what he likes to do. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago about playing off the shoulders. Keeper's made a great save, but it's a good start there to have that only in the fourth minute. Um, good effort from Louis Dennis in the ninth minute as his hard low shot went just wide of Burton's goal. Yeah, and in the 13th minute, uh, the chance really where has this gone in? We'd be looking at a different game, I think. DJ got through one and one with Burton, maybe had too much time to think about what he was doing. He took his shot, Burton saved it, went out for a corner. But for me, he had to score that, especially given the strength of the opposition. You're not going to get that many chances. And Cambridge were looking very uh, unsteady at the back mm. at this point. And we had looked the bright side in the opening. And had we scored that, we could have gone on potentially to thump him. But you've got to take your chances, no matter what level you play at. And we had in there two decent chances with DJ early on, both missed. Yeah, I think a DJ August to December scores that. A DJ January to now doesn't. And that's the difference in a bit of confidence, isn't it? Do you think Ross Embleton has anything to do with that in terms of he seems to be a lot sharper under Ross Embleton? And I know that's at the start of the season, so it might be a fresher DJ, but seems to be going in for him more when he was playing under Ross Embleton than under Joby McEnough. Although the style of play that DJ is playing is very similar. It's a hard, it's a hard question to answer, isn't it? Um, not being inside the camp and not knowing what's going on behind the scenes. 
um, that may be impacting this or affecting him. Uh, it's a difficult one, but it, it's, it's a question. It is a question, uh, a fair question as well. Um, so from the resulting corner of that uh, Dan Johnson effort, Kemp whipped it in and Burton had to be quite sharp to tip it out for a third corner as that one looked like it was going to curl into the to the top corner. A bit audacious there from Dan Kemp. Dan Kemp's corners, you don't know whether you're coming or going. Yeah. He barely beats the first man, but when they do, they cause absolute <laughs> chaos. <laughs> so 18th minute in Cambridge, took the lead, some neat build-up play, saw a pass, played in behind two Jack and Ola and Connor Wilkinson on to Mullin on the left-hand side. He whizzed the ball into the box, iron side, got in ahead of his man, being both Brophy and Dan Happy, got the ball past Figaro. And suddenly, after we had had the better start, we were 1-0 down against the league leaders. Good goal for them. Poor from us in terms of defence, but it's a good goal for them. I'm, I was quite disappointed with, with the manner in which we've conceded that. Uh, you know, the pass to split between Akinola and Wilkinson, who was back helping him out. Uh, it's just, it, was, it, was, it was a good goal. There's no taking away from it. I've seen them score before and we've been in been the recipients of those sorts of goals but yeah just a bit disappointing for us to have conceded the goal and, and obviously as you said earlier Steve you know if, if Dan Johnson takes either of the two previous chances we're talking a different game we absolutely are I think that's why they're top of the league that, that's their first chance of note we've spoken about yeah. and they go and take the lead from it and we're talking about three chances where Johnson has made the keeper work well in the fourth minute Dennis has had a good effort not on target and we've had the big chance that we've not taken so to be one or down at that point was fairly disappointing based on the performance mm. I'd say absolutely was 20th minute Dan Johnson was booked for a foul yeah looks frustrated there 24th minute great passing and movement from Cambridge so Boateng Boateng looked like a good little player there for Cambridge yeah. he was in on goal no Orient players around him but his shot missed the target yeah fast forward 12 minutes then and James Brophy was penned into the corner Area tried to work his way out, but the ball came out to a Cambridge player, uh, and a cross hit Jamie Turley's hand. And the referee wasn't interested. So lucky there for us. That's about as good as it's going to get in this game for Jamie Turley <laughs> yeah. as well. Unfortunately, thirty ninth minute boating again. He had a shot at Vigoru's goal this time. Ball went wide. Yeah, no Orient players stopping the shot either, I noted, uh, which is disappointing. We equalised on the stroke of half-time as Louis Dennis's cross was punched out by Burton. The ball hit Kipriano on the knee and it fell kindly to Dan Kemp, who made no mistake and smashed the ball into the net for the equalising goal, making it one all. I thought that was a good goal, actually. A uh, bit reactive in the box, bit sharp, bit alert for once. Uh, and well done to Dan Kemp. Wasn't as clean or as crisp as their goal, but we capitalised on a bit of confusion and a lack of sharpness from theirs. And I think it goes back to what you were saying previously, Steve, about their centre backs not being great under pressure. You know, they were being tested and we didn't do enough of that. And here we are talking about our effort on the stroke of half time. They looked very good going forward, Adam, if sure, but they were definitely. Um susceptible to the attack at the yeah. back and I guess if you're being uber critical of of the plays that Orient have had we had a Matt Harold and a big big lump target man they would have hated those balls over the top because they could not deal with those balls in but great to see Kemp get a goal his fourth goal of the season his second goal in the last four days at that point he's got a good habit Kemp of starting to anticipate where the ball's going and that's something that Leighton Orient haven't had as a midfield player um for quite a few years, a midfielder who's going to chip in with 10 or 15 goals 
a season. And based on the fact that he's got form, if you gave him a full season, he'd probably get you somewhere between 10 and 15. So, you know, that goal would have done no harm for Kemp at all. And good to see, you know, Dennis involved again in another Orient goal. Kind of come out on that come out the shadows from nowhere. So, great time to score just before half-time. I personally didn't see that goal coming. I thought we'd go in 1-0 down. So, that was an absolute bonus. No time for anything else to report as the ref brought the half to a close. Teams tied in, all at 1-0 and all to play for in the second half. Yeah, good half against a good, strong side. You know, we're showing them probably a, a fair bit too much respect, I thought, um, as they had a lot of the ball looked dangerous coming forwards. And I don't think we pressured their centre-backs enough or their defence. We didn't put them under enough pressure and I think we were just probably either a little bit sort of rabbit in the headlight or uh, a bit too cautious because, you know, they are dangerous going forwards. But again, I think if we'd have played our games and done what Joby had mentioned in, you know, his pre-match uh, interviews, uh, I think we would have I think we'd have been all right and given them a good going, uh, you know, a good game. Yeah, but, at that point, you can go one or is not a bad half-time score for us no. to come into after being a goal down and then playing pretty well got a tweet at half time from Kid Sampson O he said a Brucey bonus with the equalising goal but we've been undeniably second best all over the pitch the difference in their off the ball movement and ours is night and day we need someone like Joby or Freeman in central midfield who will control possession and instigate attack so let's find out how the second <laughs> half went for the Orient yeah, no changes for the O's at half-time as Cambridge got the second half underway. And in the 46th minute, Dan Happy gave the ball away to Boateng, who fired a fierce shot at Lawrence Vigarou. Uh, he was able to push that shot over for a corner, thankfully. Yeah, those little mistakes are starting to creep into Dan Happy's game again. And yeah. You've got to be careful as a centre-back, because if you make a mistake, it can lead... It, well, you know what it can lead to, uh, yeah. as it often as it often does. Jamie Turley picked up a booking in the 49th minute despite winning the ball fairly and in Cambridge <laughs> won a corner from the resulting free kick even though it didn't appear to touch an Orient player. I think it's fair to say and we'll talk about it I guess at full time the ref was starting to who wasn't that impressive in the first half was starting to have an even worse game had that been possible in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I, I understand he's just been promoted from the National League so it kind of goes... A fair there way to go. explaining how poor he was. But but yeah, a few poor decisions from the ref. Really biased towards Cambridge. It wasn't really... It, you know, they, they take the, the the enjoyment out of it when they're just so such poor decision-making. But we're going to fast forward a bit now to just over the hour mark now. As first Orient substitution was Craig Clay being replaced... Uh, sorry, as he replaced Hector Kiprianu and Clay took the captain's armband... Yeah, that was the right sub. I think Hector found that a difficult game. There was a few off-straight passes yes. around early in the second half. So I had no complaints with that substitution. And the 63rd minute, Cambridge retook the lead. They had a corner, floated into the box. Taylor beat Craig Clay to the ball. His head a false figure into a smart reflex save. But he could only push it out as far as Tracy, who was in the right place at the right time, headed the ball in. 2-1 Cambridge. We have gone from not reacting quick enough in their box to, sorry, we've gone from reacting very quickly in their box to, to basically copying them and not being quick enough in our box. We didn't react quickly enough. We weren't strong in our defending. Brophy was, was marking Tracy and Clay was marking Taylor. Both of those were instrumental, obviously, in that goal happening. And we didn't, do, we didn't win our individual battles. No fight or desire there for us. 
almost like they either couldn't be bothered or um, had seen that their man had got maybe a yard ahead of them and like, well, I'm not going to make that, so I won't even bother trying. Ridiculous. Yeah, disappointing goal to concede, especially from a defensive perspective. But, you know, we haven't, Considering we have got a good relationship with Tottenham Hotspur, why aren't we getting like players like Tracy? And that might seem like a really obvious question, but surely we have a better dealing with Tottenham than Cambridge United. So when you see these good players go to teams like Cambridge and do well and score against us, for me, I'm thinking, well, why isn't he on Leighton Orient's radar? But yeah. disappointing, and things got worse four minutes later as another corner for Cambridge Cross came in Turley went down along with Taylor referee pointed to the spot and suddenly it's a penalty so for me it looked 50-50 but it's always risky to defend to have your hands all over the attack and the arms were everywhere yeah. and the referee points to the spot and you're thinking you're throwing this game away gents and this is the season yeah. is depending on this and within the space of four minutes you've defended poorly from the corner and you've given them away a penalty right under the ref's eye as a ref who is already making poor decisions. Yeah, 100%. That is absolutely 100% spot on. And it was a mirror image of what Dan Happy did when he gave away one last week. Um, it's ridiculous. You can't do that, especially when the referee had proved himself to be you know, really hot on his whistle against us. So you've got to be cleaner, that squeaky clean on, on that. Uh, League 2's top scorer, Paul Mullin, stepped up and sent Lawrence Vigarou the wrong way to score the resulting penalty. I think that's his 28th of the season. He made it 3-1 to the visitors. So, really, for me, killed it. Yeah, he was never going to miss that, was he? No. Strike of that confidence stepping up. You knew he was going to score. But 72nd minute, three minutes later in, game on suddenly. Took me by surprise, this one. Connor Walkinson... Got onto James Brophy's cross. James Brophy crossed from the right, if I remember this rightly. Came in the box, good header from Wilkinson. Came off the post. A bit of comical error from the uh, Cambridge centre back Drysdale. Went to clear it, put it into his own net. Suddenly, 3 2, a bit of luck. We're back in it. And you're thinking, right, we have 18 minutes now to go and salvage our season. And if we could even get a draw at this point, it would feel like a win based yeah, on the fact we were two goals down. So let's go for it. Let's really, you know. In Jovi's words, go for it, go yeah. for him, yeah. and th- turn this around, and let's have an amazing last eighteen minutes. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. A hundred percent. That was there. That that was the time. We're already losing. Just for the last twenty minutes, let's just, you know, go. Let's just go for it. Like like you say, I think it's absolutely right. But five minutes later, Tunji went into the referee's book for a trip on dunk. Yeah, I think Tunji had a bit of a tough game. I think the younger players found this one difficult, and in the seventy ninth yeah. minute. Goal is going to be difficult to talk about, really. Cambridge is fourth. Jamie Turley, poor attempted clearance, came off a Cambridge player, so we had a throw in deep inside our half. Turley would take the throw in. I don't know whether he slipped or missed through it or whatever, but he basically threw the ball straight to Ironside, uh, who was in our box, ran into our box unchallenged, had time to tee up his shot, smashed it past Vigaru. And it was 4-2 and an absolutely catastrophic goal to concede. And just you're just sitting there going, what is going on? What, what am I watching? That's exactly what I was doing. That's exactly <laughs> what I was doing. And if it wasn't for the fact that we do this podcast, I'd have probably switched off 10 minutes ago, uh, to be honest. I was absolutely livid. Absolute shambles and disgrace of a goal. Just all over this game. Lots of mistakes. Like you said, lots of stray passing. 
messing about, playing it out from the back, Turley trying to clear it when the Cambridge man had shut him down, closed his angles out. And what the hell sort of a throwing was that? I mean, Jamie's come out since and, and apologised and said, like, you know, it, it, well, it is what it is, but at the time, just absolutely fuming with this. Just nailing the coffin, really, just killed my interest. Yeah, blew it. Blew it big time. I mean, you wouldn't even expect to see that from Sunday League defending, let alone League Two defending. And at that point, you know, such a pivotal time and such a pivotal goal to concede, and that really not stuffing out. I think at that point he was absolutely done. And we were also lining up substitution prior to that goal going in, as JB McInerney and Roos Two were coming on. So you're thinking this is going to be a real attacking. We're going to really give it a go in the ten minutes left of the game. And then obviously by the time they actually get on, before two down, as Louis Dennis and Usi say came off but you know terrible terrible goal to concede as you'd expect nothing really to talk about for the rest of the 90 minutes just four time, minutes of time were added on but there was one thing left to talk about it was in the 94th minute Connor Wilkinson basically got taken out inside the box there's no other way I can say it he ran into the box got taken out by a Cambridge defender we was all waiting for the whistle even though it would have been inconsequential because we wouldn't have scored two goals we probably wouldn't have even scored the penalty but it should have been a penalty the ref didn't give it to the fury of those players and those on the bench and those watching all over the world on the stream. Just literally, that was the final now on the coffin. Yeah, a clear penalty. The refs had an absolute shock. It's funny how he gives their penalty straight away and, and doesn't give ours. Ridiculous. Absolutely yeah, ridiculous. That, that was pretty poor. That so was the, pretty poor. So the, the, uh, shortly after that, the full-time whistle followed. We fell to a 4-2 defeat against the league leaders came, which leave them facing promotion and leaving the O's playoff hopes in tatters. Joby McEnough's interview is in full on the Leighton Orient YouTube channel. You can uh, uh, listen to that there. So we'll move on then to the league table. And that terrible loss saw us drop to 10th as we now, at this particular point in time, played 43 games. We'd won 17, drawn 10, lost 16. Goal difference of positive three with 61 points. And at this point, we were four points and a bit of goal difference off of Newport. So say five points, uh, who are in seventh. Uh, but, the, but the three above us at the time did have or do have a game in hand. So they, Yeah, I mean, they sure did. But how many opportunities, and I think we said this last week, how many opportunities do you need to break into that top seven? 100%. That's really, the frustration. This, this season, when, when we look back on this season, we do our season roundup, it's going to be probably the most frustrating one we've done in the last seven or eight years since we've been doing this podcast because this team have had so many opportunities given to them to break into that top seven and they just keep throwing it back for whatever reason in our faces, not in our, the fans' faces, but it just they just can't do it. I don't know whether it's a mental block, whether it's a training block, whether they're not good enough or whatever. But for some reason or other, despite umpteen opportunities, this team's consistently let themselves down when trying to get into the top seven. And that has to be addressed in the summer. Agreed. Couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. So my views on that, absolutely livid about the performance overall and the result. I'll keep it fairly short uh, for this one. That's what's needed to be top of the league. What you see there from Cambridge. Rode their luck a little bit. Maybe a little bit weak at the back, but you know, punishing going forwards. And we got taught a lesson. Sharp, hard-working, energetic, desire, determination to win the ball right to the end of the 90 minutes. Not just for a minute here or a minute there, 
They were coming at us, closing us down. They worked hard, not in fits and spurts, but for the full 90 minutes. So question, are we fit enough to do a full 90 minutes? The referee was a shambles too, terribly biased towards Cambridge. I always find that disappointing when, when the referee gives all one team and not another. Uh, we've been architects of our own demise at points this season and today uh, the Cambridge match was an absolutely fine example. We don't deserve the playoffs. Mathematically, it was still possible at this point, but realistically, you know, I think it's fair to say it's not. Clay isn't the impact player that we need. Dennis had about two touches in the second half. There's no creativity. We're not solid enough defensively. And frankly, I honestly cannot wait for this season to be over and for this inconsistent team to be overhauled in the summer. Because you're absolutely right, Steve. We have absolutely had this within our grasp. And every time we get in with a, with a sniff of being in that playoff spot, we bottle it and we can't do it. For whatever reason it is, or someone's mistake or a result or a team play up against us, they up their game. Um... What whatever the reason is, we just don't have the mental fortitude in our squad to take a game by the scruff of the neck and turn it around, like we did in the thirteen fourteen season, as an example. Just ridiculous, yeah. and I can't wait for this. I'm sick and tired now of talking about this this dross that we're getting served up. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with you. We was all really disappointed. On Tuesday night, I think for me that was night and day between the two sides as the game went on. We had our chances early on, and if you don't take them, you get punished against the top sides. That's what happens, and that's the kind of performance I think from a Cambridge perspective that you need to put in to get you out of the league. They were effective going forward. They dominated our midfield, and as the game went on, they just looked fitter and they just outworked us. But really disappointing though when you look back and watch that, because all of their goals, all of them are so avoidable. The first one, the centre-backs have got to do better. The second one, we don't challenge for the header or the rebound. The third one, the poor penalty, and the fourth one is could end up on some shocking Sky Sports, you know, terrible goals, compilation video that you try and avoid. I think, you know, the only positive from that is Kemp starting to chip in with another goal to come, that goal to go on midfielder with all craves for so long. Craig Clay, this is, wasn't his greatest 28 minutes on the pitch, comes on 62 minutes at one all, leaves the pitch coming off 4-2. Uh, compare him to Boating in this game, chalk and cheese. Yeah. Absolutely chalk and cheese. You read about Boating, everything he done. Clay done nothing in those 28 minutes. So I finished this one off by saying some very big decisions to come from the board now about the manager and players. Although I'm still convinced... I don't know if he is the right man for the job, but I still think Joby McEnough, and we'll come on to it after Southend, I'm still 100% convinced that Joby McEnough is getting this gig all day long. At that point, that was Mark Bonner's 50th game, because I saw this on some stats somewhere, that was Mark Bonner's 50th game. He's got a win rate of 54%. Joby, at that point, after 12 games, not including Cambridge, had a win rate of 50 so it tells you you don't have to be that good actually to get out of this league just consistent just a bit more consistency so I think we were all really really frustrated as hell in that game even Jamie Turley took to Twitter after that game to express his view on it he said he was bitterly disappointed in himself and how the second half played out he said we still have three games left to make a difference the season is not over and no one's giving up. So it just goes to show what we said, Paul. Literally, they've lost again. Three games left, and they still aren't mathematically out of it, despite, like we've said, numerous chances. And they still, after Tuesday night, had an opportunity to kick on 
and make the playoffs in the remaining yes. three games. Yeah, absolutely. When when in normal conditions, get these sorts of things are really sort of decided with sort of three or four games to go, aren't they? So those are our views. We had a huge amount of feedback uh, after this match. So thanks to everyone uh, who took the time to send their views into our social media accounts. And again, we, we do try and read out as many as we can. Uh, but just because we do read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. I must say, some of the tweets this week, absolutely superb. We've always been lucky to have a huge round of engagement, uh, pre-match, post-match, anytime anything happens. And we're very proud of that. Um, as Orient fans, but this week has been amazing. So just a massive thank you to everyone um, who continues to engage with the pod. So it's going to be the first of quite a few tweets, lots of frustration out there. Uh, Sawtree O's said, this is all of our own making, schoolboy errors. This wasn't about how good Cambridge are, more like how inconsistent and poor individuals can be. Amen. Paul Skinner, 88, said, One dreadful mistake from us and a ref so biased. It's a wonder he didn't come out in Cambridge kit for the second half. Frustrating end to a mediocre season. Yeah, good. Uh, last closing sentence there. Sunshine, LOFC, said, Cambridge among the best sides we've seen all season. And for the most part, we gave them a good game. The loss was of our own making. The refs had a shocker of a game. And now on to the 21-22 season. Phalanx235 said, decent, played decent in brief spells. Clearly nowhere near playoff level, though. Cambridge made us pay what you'd expect from a side top of the league. To add, as much as we didn't help ourselves, and it's no excuse, that referee was utter dreadful and cost us big time, in my opinion. Yeah, good point there. Aaron underscore more 25 said, another game there for the taking, but individual errors cost us. Basics that weren't done properly. On another day, this could have been a different result, but there was a reason they are top of the league. 1965, AC 1881 said, as sloppy again as they were at Harrogate, poor ball retention, slow and laboured build-up. Midfield is weak and we're punished by functional league leaders. I think those are three fantastic words. Functional league leaders. That's exactly what they were. Yeah, and they've done a job on us where Harry yeah. will be lucky to get up with a draw. Steve Chaplin 4 said, yet again, errors cost us dear along with some bizarre refereeing decisions. Cambridge very slick going forward, but their defence moved at glacial speed. Why didn't we try more balls over the top to get them turning as they seemed uncomfortable on the few times we did? Good point there. You know, it was always tippy-tappy backside, back tippy-tappy side. What needs to vary up a bit, especially like, you know, Steve has said, they didn't look comfortable with that ball and Johnson trying to get it behind them, but didn't use it enough. Keeping the ball and doing the tippy-tappy stuff is fine when you're trying to see a game out, not when you're trying to win a game. Um, yeah, Mark, it's fine if you're playing with a, a, a better quality of player than a League 2 player who can pass it, who are better. There's a reason, unfortunately, why some of these players are League 2, because they're not brilliant, which precisely. is harsh, but I think it's fair, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, harsh but fair indeed. Mark Ross 07487103 said, Going to be a big summer, let's be honest. If we're going to mount a challenge, I couldn't name more than five players that will get us where we want to be. Going a whole season without a big target man is baffling when we hit 60-yard balls. Yeah, not the first one to mention the big target man. Stephen Orient are probably the worst ref I've seen in the EFL this season, but he owes too many average poor players. Turley is not league standard. He's a battler, but hopefully will be placed at the end of the season. He really is a liability. Freddie, LOFC, said awful defending. Brophy and Happy getting found out big time against a good side. Turley was shocking 
as well with his mistakes. The season's done. On to the next. Just hope we relegate South End on Saturday. <laughs> oh, Freddie, 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 turn it oh, off now. Dear. Turn it off now, Freddie. I heart rush Martin. Very annoyed about the result, but to be honest, I enjoyed that more than any Orient game. And a farewell, I was shouting at the ref, who was woeful, and I was annoyed about our mistakes. I lost my mind both times we scored. I loved it and hated it equally. It was so Orient. Les LK52 said, absolute rubbish. Forget the disgraceful ref. We were light years behind Cambridge. Been saying for ages, not good enough for the playoffs, and this proved it. Never looked threatening. Make a decision now. Get a proper manager. We're going nowhere playing like this. What a wasted opportunity. John W999 is very disappointing. Collapse under pressure defensively. Kemp showed he needs to be at the, f- at the fulcrum of our attack next season. Cambridge deservedly are going up far too good for us. And that performance sets the bar for where we need to get to next season. Absolutely sets the bar. Yeah, Dave M1812 said the season is over. At times we looked quite good. Dennis showed the difference crossing the ball makes. Our normal fo- uh, failing of not being able to retain the ball, suicide defending and a very, very bad referee made the difference. On to South End. Lenham forces it's over for the season. If we're serious about promotion, we've got to clear anyone who's not up to the task and unfortunately may be a fan favourite or two. Yeah, agree. Joe Jessner, 16, said, What would be nice at this point is a bit of positivity around the team, a bit of appreciation for Joby improving the team, and a bit of appreciation for the fact that we're improving as a club, albeit slowly. We shouldn't act like we're too good for ninth in League 2, considering. Watching the whole season on TV, I feel we've all subconsciously compared the standard to that of regular TV football and haven't been able to release the frustration vocally at the ground. Let's not become too entitled as a fan base. Recent events have shown it can be so much worse. Do you know, that's a very, very, very bright and brilliant tweet there, Joe. The only reason I would come back at you at on one of your points is acting like we're too good for ninth in League 2. We're not. The point, of the, fa- the point of the matter is, is that we could be higher and should be higher, but because people haven't performed to the best of their abilities on numerous times throughout the season is the reason why we most fans are kicking off. I'm sure you're aware of that, Joe, um, but just wanted to, to, to make that point. Um, but, but as a brilliant, brilliant tweet. Yeah, very, very good tweet. I've hated watching football on the stream this season. Yeah, as good as the stream is, and that's no disrespect to the, to the work that the stream has done, because it is very good. It is, yeah. It's not the same at all, and you just can't be being in there. And I feel, how had we been in there, the frustration would be released within the ground, and you, everyone would go home feeling better. And that doesn't happen. Match finishes, you turn it off, and then you're left feeling frustrated, and you've got no one really, unless you're in the pub with your mates, which hasn't happened, to, to talk to about it. And and it, the frustration remains big as LFC, who is coming up later on the podcast, as I pray the next season not only brings a more quality squad that challenges for top seven, but also brings a better brand of football, as what we have seen this season has been dire. Now, it, that is a, another great tweet. I've always said I don't care how we play as long as we win, but I must confess, at some of the football times, even when we won games 1-0, both under Joby and Ross, to be fair, not a dig at Joby, just... You know, for the whole season, some of it, even when winning, has been absolutely dreadful. It really has. Matty LOFC Evans <laughs> said, and with defeat, the playoffs are out of reach. Now we need to focus on keeping those we want to keep for next season and try and get in there early with those we want to bring in. Big clear out and big reset needed. 
service coach too says I'm gutted totally effectively I'm doing all the good he has done since returning Hector's been poor for the second game in a row question of who will replace Joby on the pitch is still lingering upsetting things to say but unfortunately true Richie J Bourne said in the words of Bon Jovi shot to the heart and you're to blame you give Bournes a bad name <laughs> Declan Bourne as a ref that was shocking can't blame the ref for everything but played a big part and also Turley what were you thinking Oh, that was a great tweet. Yeah, yeah, very clever. Richie J. Bourne. Yeah. Molly, Molly, 2019. Says, only the abject performance of the ref clips how poor Kiprianu and Akinola were this evening. Brophy completely wasted at left back with Dennis anonymous again despite one great cross. We know we're not good enough. We need to clear the decks as most players are not up to it. Dear Stu said, personally, I think it was a mistake in Joby not starting himself. It was our biggest game of the season to date and we needed some quality on the pitch. We were absolutely dog's mess the second half and got what we deserved. Too many players, simply not good enough. Good point about Joby not starting himself. I, agree. I think for that game, I think you alluded to it, maybe it was a bit experimental when it needed not to be. I think that starting 11 wasn't our best 11 to start the game. That wasn't what you would say late on in strongest 11 were. And maybe that is what cost us in that game. Jamie Stripes said, three times since Christmas, we've had the chance to properly break into the top seven and have come up short each time. We just lack the quality throughout the team to go up this time. Big summer coming up. Yeah, Parksy1881 gets the penultimate word on this. He says the damage was done numerous times during the season by silly mistakes in tight games. Remember that we were three points off the top at one point. Tonight, we needed a Matt harold s target man, and I'm sure we would have won, as their centre-backs were awful under pressure. There's no plan B. And the last tweet against Cambridge goes to Essex Spears, who had the final words. He says, right, time to wake up and smell the coffee. This is a poor team at best, nowhere near good enough. I'm glad we're not going to make the playoffs, as we are clearly not ready. We are in a poor league, and we finished mid-table. Hell of a lot of work to be done. This summer's recruitment is so vital to get right, so that we have a good platform to move forward next season and beyond. Yeah, that's it for this match then. So we move on to the Prediction League, the Design Cadby Prediction League. Design Cadby specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design with all Orient fans getting 15% off. You can find James on social media at Design Cadby on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and you can email James with your interest. Hello at jamescadby.com and some of the stuff he puts out is absolutely fantastic. So if you are looking for any of those services, James is your man. But unsurprisingly, there were no correct predictions for this match and we'll do a full top of the Prediction League table roundup at the end of this podcast. So that concludes Cambridge United. It certainly does. So moving on with the week, Dean, and we must say Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, so from the 21st to the 23rd of April, it was a quiet three days at the club. We have nothing to report, so we're going straight on to Saturday, the 24th of April. We'd like to say congratulations to former O's coach Danny Webb, who has been named as Chesterfield's new first-team coach. So good luck from us here at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers to Danny Webb. Still in my top five podcast moments, Mr. Levy, me, yeah. you, and the loud one, the one who banged down the door as he walked into my house the first time I met him, screaming at the top of his voice. But when he was talking about that Plymouth game, absolute gold, absolute gold. Literally, he spoke about it for about four minutes 
four minutes and me and you just looking at each other going this is amazing yeah. about the way he felt when he took us to Plymouth on that Valentine's Day evening and won 3-2 and he got, got quite emotional as well talking about his reign as um, O's manager so from us to you Danny Webb good luck in your new role at Chesterfield hope you go and smash it mate absolutely we absolutely do so the main event of the day clearly was Southend United away and before the game we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one, and after 167 votes in 24 hours, you voted as follows: 15% thought we'd lose, blimey. Uh, 19% for the draw, and a whopping 66% thought Orient would win. So thanks to everybody who took the time to vote, all 167 of you. Yeah, but then at 2 p.m. and the team was announced. So Vigaru was announced in goal with a back four of Sam Ling, Tinjak Anola, Dan Happy, and James Brophy. In the midfield, Hector Kipriano, Louis Dennis, Nick Freeman, and Connor Wilkinson, Dan Kemp, and DJ making up the starting 11. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Jamie Turley, Usise, Craig Clay, Joby McEnough, Ruel Satoriu, and Tristan Abrahams. Yeah, so that side saw two changes to the starting 11 against Cambridge as Nick Freeman and Sam Ling came in for Usise and Jamie Turley, who both dropped to the to the bench. And for, for me, very attacking side, good options on the bench too. Not sure what formation um, Joby's going to be sending out here. Uh, for those that were unsure um, about the, the Turley situation, I understand that's probably a compassionate situation for him that uh, he uh, had a bereavement and a funeral midweek, so it was probably uh, best for him to take a a seat on the bench this week. So, yeah, interesting, but curious as well. Yeah, I mean, that may have explained why he played so poorly um, against Cambridge. So, for me, I had a feeling Sammy Link would be coming back into the side, but I thought he'd come at the expense of Akinola, who I thought struggled on Tuesday. So, I was surprised to see Turley on the bench. I thought Tunji would have dropped down. I think, for me, I would have started Clay and McEnough, um in this game over mm. Hector and Freeman. I don't think Hector's been particularly very good since he's had a chance to come in and I think Nick Freeman has been absolutely shocking, shall mm. we say, since he's been in. So I've got no interest in, in him starting. So I was very surprised we didn't go Clay and McEnough starting in this one. But he did go to Toru Abrahams on the bench so this time did have two attackers in the bench. So we only had a few tweets for this one. I'm only going to mention one tweet that came in. Uh, Len Chin Chin Wan said, Southend could be full of surprises fighting to stay in League 2. I think the Orient team is capable of winning if they play passing forward football and attack. This could be a volatile fixture. <laughs> so the match got underway by the seaside as the O's were looking to keep our faint playoff dreams alive and are real against the South End team fighting for their league status knowing that a defeat or a draw would relegate them I mean this is Hollywood scripted stuff you've got local rivals playing at opposite ends of the table you've got Leighton Orient who like we've said who really should be a mid-table a lower mid-table team still with a chance of the playoffs and you've got South End who had to win to stay up in the National League to stay up in the Football League sorry not drop into the National League so it really was a fine line you could have written a script around it and there had also been a fight in the South End camp on Friday between the players that their manager Phil Brown was actually pleased about because it showed that they cared yeah. and he was using that as fuel to fuel them so we knew it was going to be a difficult game South End had the first effort on goal in the fourth minute as the end's header went wide Yes, Ricky Holmes fired a shot just over 20 minutes later. <laughs> and I think you raised a good question. Like, when, 
we're already coming up to 25 minutes in. This team are struggling at the bottom of the table. We should be thumping them. They were awful when we played them at our place earlier in the season. Where were the orient attacks? Mm. Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> we're talking 20 minutes in. It's only been two attacks of note, but there's nothing, nothing from Orient in any of that. Um, having won a free kick in the 27th minute... Uh, Connor Wilkinson, uh, as Connor Wilkinson was fouled, the free kick was then headed over by Hector Kiprianu. Yeah, five minutes later, we came close to taking the leads. Connor Wilkinson flicked the ball on to DJ, got himself into a decent position, fairly close range, tight angle though, but he fired over the bar. Given his news there, it was a tight chance, but maybe one that Danny Johnson of earlier in the season may have put away. Yeah, I think I think yeah, maybe maybe not. It's still a very very tight angle. Uh, for him because he'd gone so wide and he had the keeper and the player to beat there but yeah we're going to fast forward now to the 39th minute and from a short corner Dan Kemp got a deflected cross into the box which came to Sam Ling who shot onto the bar from close range Oh Sam Ling you have to score there I know he's a defender and I know the ball's like been deflected into his path but he's so close to the goal and he hits the bar really should have scored there should have done better and I know he's a defender but for me, should be one 0 there. Yeah, fair enough. Southend took the lead in the forty-second minute as a corner was floated in and Cordoner outmuscled our defence. I think it was Akinola to get his head on the ball and beat Lawrence Vigaru to make it one nil. Very poor goal to concede there. Very poor. Again, switched off from a corner. Mm. Um, we spoke about corners again after. Well, during the Cambridge games, Cambridge scored from a corner and it's happened again Joby McEnough would have been pulling his beautiful hair out of his head with that one <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you I mean it's it's Akinola's allowed the man to, to get ahead of him and, and just it's just about that desire and commitment is it, isn't it it goes back to that that their man wanted it more than ours I think 100% mate 100% Clash of heads between Halford and Hector Kiprianu saw Hector replaced by Usise in the 43rd minute. Yeah, we hope Hector is okay, so we yes. hope Hector's concussion isn't too bad. So three minutes of time were added on, and then the final moment of additional time, Louis Dennis fired the O's level after James Brophy delivered a free kick into the back post. Usise headed the ball back into the path of Dennis, who hit the ball sweetly on the half volley, underneath Oxley's body, back in the net. And it's one off. Decent finish uh, there from Louis Dennis. Got to say, he's kind of been the forgotten man, but seems to be really giving it a good goal. One all, and his first league goal for 19 months. Wow. Wow. It was a good goal. Low and hard into the net. It, it was a good technique, and, and it's a shame that we haven't seen more of that from him. And that is his first league goal in 19 months. You know, what a, what a shame that. Well, it was a good goal, don't get me wrong, but what a shame he's had to wait so long. No further action, though, to talk about for the rest of the half as the teams went in at half-time, one all. We had a few tweets that came in. Luke underscore T7 said they need more than a rocket up their backsides in the second half. So slow at points. It's a derby. I want to see players fighting for the ball, not strolling around the pitch. Need a big second half. Joby, sub yourself on, mate. Gould Howard wasn't happy either. Says we are so inconsistent and Vic's captain. Such a poor display. Again, Brophy's been the most disappointing for at least the last six games. And you can see why Freeman is not needed at Wickham. <laughs> Trouser Techno said what an utterly dreadful 45 that was. The worst since Joby McEnough took over. 
There's no point passing backwards all the time and will win you nothing, nor put bums on seats or sell streams. Southend United are dreadful and we are as bad. Looks like the summer holidays have arrived for some. Yeah, not good times. So there was one change for the O's at half-time as Nick Freeman made way for Cray Clay. Yeah, I mean, Freeman's been poor by all accounts um, in that in that half, but shows how poor our bench is that, that Clay, who's been poor for ages, then, then, then comes on. And as far as I'm concerned, like um, Trousers Techno said, Freeman can go back to Wickham tomorrow with my blessing, to be perfectly honest with you. He's done nothing for us. Yeah, it's been literally probably been the most disappointing player, I think, this season, potentially, when he came. We were all so happy to get a player. The Wickham fans were talking yeah. about how good he was and he gave a great interview. But it's been, yeah, I haven't seen that on the pitch at all. So second half then kicked off. Fast forward into the 59th minutes. Connor Wilkinson fired over the bar when he had other options, probably better options around him. And then in the 65th minute, good chance for the O's to take the lead. As Dan Kemp found Connor, who crossed for DJ, whose effort was saved by Oxley. Going back to that first effort in the 59s, does that sort of dovetail into what I was saying about Connor not looking to pass and he's a striker looking to shoot? That like I've said a couple it's of times really before. Yeah. yeah, Dan Kemp drove into the south end box and fired a low shot, uh, uh, fired low into Dan Johnson, who was spared the blushes of a missed tap in as he was offside in the 68th minute. Yeah, double sub for the O's then. In the 70th minute, it's Joby McEnough or else the two came on to replace Danny Johnson and Louis Dennis. Yeah, uh, surprised Dan Johnson came off. Not sure why, um, to be honest, but yeah, a bit of a surprise with that one. Uh, 72 minutes on the clock now, and Usise was in the right place at the right time as he cleared a ball off the line following a short corner routine from South End, which saw a low shot beat Lawrence Vigaru, but Usise thankfully was there. That is your warning sign. They come and they go, and you've got to take the warnings because if you don't, you'll go behind in football and four minutes later. Matt Rush scored for Southend after a long ball out from the back from Southend. Call out to Giaconola. Rush was in on goal. His shot beat Lawrence Vigaru. Dan Happy did get a chance to stop it from going in, but the ball had too much pace on it. Beat Happy as well. 2-1 Southend. Again, horrific goal to concede. And this team at bottom of the league and hadn't scored at home for seven games. They've had two against the Orient. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. I mean, that sentence just doesn't need anything adding to it. it it's just, you're absolutely right. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, that, I, I lost lost for words a bit there, Steve, with that. Um, I stumped him. I stumped the bearded legend. So yeah, it's just, it's just more... That's what we really laugh about and just laughing at the whole... Situation, yeah. It's got to that point now, hasn't it? Really, where if you don't laugh, you're going to cry and probably have a bit of a breakdown, and that's not a stage that I'm at by any stretch of imagination. But it's it's just all 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 a bit ridiculous. Oos um, tried his luck, but his hard shot was well over the bar six minutes from time. Yeah, Tristan Abrahams came on to replace Tunji Akinola in the 85th minute, and three minutes later, Joby turned provider for Connor Wilkinson. He had a poked effort at goal, deflected punt for a corner, which came to nothing. Yeah, and seven minutes of time were added on and played out as Orient fell to a 2-1 defeat against local rivals and relegation fodder Southend United, meaning they stayed in the league for the time being, but also meaning, although still not mathematically impossible, but realistically, the Orient playoff dream was complete or is completely over. 
certainly is. So, Jamie McIntyre, I spoke today, Victor, after the game. Obviously, Jamie was very disappointed. You could tell, not a happy man indeed. It was a very uh, solemn interview, I, I would say, listening to it back. That's available on the club's YouTube channel. We're not going to play any of it tonight. So, we'll move on into the league table. So, that loss seems to drop down the league to 11th as we've now played 44, won 17, drawn 10, lost 17. Positive goal difference of plus two and 61 points. Amazingly, it is still mathematically possible for the O's to make the playoffs, even though we continue to lose games and bottle it, um, which there's no way we are making the playoffs, even though mathematically it's still possible. So, yeah. bearded legend, I'm going to strap myself in for this one. Let's have your views on Southend. Right, OK. I'm appalled at the lack of effort, desire, and just generally a gutless display from our players who should feel privileged to be playing for such a well-run club. Our players are an embarrassment, never an excuse to not try your best or play for the badge. Clear the decks, start fresh next year. I'm sick of talking about inadequate displays now. Absolutely sick to the back teeth of it. The also has-beens, the also nearly-rans, whatever you want to call it. The playoffs have been there for the taking and our squad have shown that they're just not good enough over the course of the season. And as for Joby, he talks a good game but this doesn't transfer into the performances that we're seeing on the pitch. Make no mistake, I'm absolutely livid that we've mucked this season up. A mediocre league, a mediocre season. Completely clear the decks, no sentiment, start again. It's not good enough anymore. And before anyone accuses me of being dramatic or overreacting, this isn't just because of one game. It's the whole season. We're now 44 games into a season. It's not an overreaction. It's not being melodramatic. It's based on the fact that we are still, albeit mathematically, we are not realistically getting into the playoffs unless the three or four teams above us, five teams above us, sorry, fail. And I don't think that that's, that's going to happen. Joby's record, as we were speaking about, you were speaking about it earlier, Steve, with, with Bonner at Cambridge. Joby's record is played 14, won six, drawn four, lost four and a win percentage of 43%. It's dropped from last week now. Okay. I kept it short right. and sweet so, this week. Yeah, so, my view, I yeah. think, you know, I've never felt such little empathy for a Leighton Orient team. So I don't know whether that's watching it on the stream and not being there, but I thought absolutely no connection to this Leighton Orient team. And yesterday just went to make me feel even less empathy if that was possible for them. I had a feeling Southend would win it, I had a feeling they would fight harder, and they did. I had a feeling they would want it more, and they did. And this, these players just continue to deceive and not give us what we want as fans. And that's effort, and that's passion, and that's desire. And I know lots of them are out of contract and may have already agreed deals elsewhere and may be leaving the club. But they still get to live our dreams, Paul. These men... Yeah live our dreams right there's not one person listening to this podcast who if you said to them I can put you in a DeLorean now and I can literally go and give you any job you want give you a time machine and make you whatever age you want to be what do you want to do with your life everyone listening will go I want to go and play for Leighton Orient and these men these players they get to do it for a living and they get paid and they put in performances like that with our hard earned money and the club ask us to give us their money you know, and say, Keep, can we have your money because of whatever's happened and they need the money and we're expected to give our money to go and fund those players in the club. Not a chance. Not a chance. Those players should all 
be hanging their heads in shame from yesterday. Because as a fan, I knew we'd lose it. I absolutely, There was never a doubt in my mind we would lose that game. And you see Joby on the Friday, like you said, talks a good game. No, rubbish, not having it. Everyone at the club from top to bottom should scrutinise that. They shouldn't be made to watch that back. They should be made to listen to this podcast. Turn it up. Turn it up. People at the club listen to this pod. Go and play this to them. Let them listen to what two fans who have supported the club for 40 years have got to say about their performances. And if they want to call us up on it, give us a bell. We'll talk to you. Not a problem doing that. Surely a team who have been so poor this season at South End. This was a time to go and attack a team. Play two up top. Three up top. Go and put some pride back in the season. Go for it. But no, didn't see it. No fight, no determination, no sweat, no pride in the shirt. Rubbish. The board have been great. We know they've been great. But now they seriously need to think about how they take the club forward. They really need to think about it. Because it can't go on like this. Because it's just not been great as a supporter. It's been really hard to watch. And they've got some big, big decisions to make. There's no doubt Travis and Nigel and the rest of the board have been great for Leighton Orient. But now this is the next step. Part one is over. Part two is done in terms of stabilising the club into League Two. Now it's show us what you're about. Show us you want to take us out of League Two. Take us into League One. We're here for you. We'll watch it. But now you've got to do it. And your decisions that you make over this summer, whether that's Martin Ling as director of football, whether that's players, whether that's manager... That's on you guys. You guys have now got to take us forward. We'll follow you with it, but you show us that you want to do it. And we'll go there. And hopefully, this time next year, we'll look back and we'll laugh about how silly we were in episode 244 talking about this. Ran over. Wow. We're joined on the phone. No, you have. And and, and we've got our our sponsor, Adam Francis of AJF Plastering, on on the phone now. Ad, thanks for for waiting for us to, to, to bring you in on this. What do you think of what Steve's just said? I don't know what the fuss is about myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're a piece of work. <laughs> I've got, got to be honest. Um, it's just that uh, it's the same thing week in, week out, boys. But unfortunately, this particular this particular episode that we're discussing is 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 important to most uh, you know, Rick fans. Winning winning football matches is important, but beating your local rivals is 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 something that's in the lifeblood of every single supporter around the country. No matter who you support and who your rivals are, beating your rivals is important. Um, so um, flabbergasted it yesterday, to be honest, boys. Flabbergasted. Obviously, from from what you've heard of of us speaking, um, the situation. This season, just generally, has been a, a, a bit of a limp, a limp season. What, what's your overall view on the season? Uh, I, I think I put it out in a tweet last night, and I, and I directed it towards towards the ownership of the club. Um, I honestly believe that from 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 the get go, we've been set up completely wrong. Um, we've been set up to play the style of football that we've played this season has been absolutely dire. Yes, there's been the odd couple of games, the Bolton game, you know, a few others where um, it's been half exciting. But if, if the fans that are listening to this can honestly ask themselves, try and think about, try and count on your on both hands, try and count ten games out of the forty. What we've played forty-four Four. so far. Yeah. 
Trump count 10 games, you can actually honestly say you enjoyed what you saw. I, 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 you know, I'm so disappointed with the way that we were set up. We were set up to play just... Ne- it wasn't working after a few games. Yes, uh, yes, we got up to sixth. Yes, we had a little spell. But, I mean, I honestly believe Ross set us up wrong. I think Ross could be a great coach uh, in the future, and I hope he's got a future in the game. But I honestly think that Ross set us up wrong. Um, and then it's been continued by Joby. Uh, you know, so if the setup's wrong in the beginning... The style of play, the formation. We've gone, you know, these conversations all season about players in in the wrong positions. Uh, I don't think we've had the same eleven players for more than two games in a row. Um, it's for me, it's just been absolutely diabolical to watch. When going back to yesterday's game, um, you know, as, like, as young as young as youngsters, as soon as you get into football, you learn about you learn about rivalries you learn about these things now when you come and so it's in the it's in the blood of every 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 sort of footballing person so when these players come to a club surely they're educated upon who the who their local rivals are you go to arsenal everybody knows it's spurs you know you know you go to liverpool it's everton and i know in the lower leagues it's you know there might not be a direct local rival i know as is west ham and we don't get to play them that often but south end certainly Brentford and Brighton. When Brighton were down with us, we, we, you know, we had a bit of a rivalry with them. You cast your, your memory back to, to games before we played Brentford and Brighton and Southend in the past, and the spice that's been involved. The there was, you know, um, yellow cards, red cards. I know, I know that you don't want to see your own player get sent off. But there was challenges. There was there was that spice about it that it's a local derby. Players wanted to play for the shirt. Players. Players wanted to win for the fans, and let's mm. face it, yesterday there would have been, I, mean, I think, the away end old something like fifteen hundred or something like that. There would have been fifteen hundred fans, no matter what league position we were in this season. There would have been fifteen hundred fans behind the goal, expecting the boys to play for the shirt. And just because we wasn't there, does that mean that they don't have to play for the shirt? Just because they've been potentially told they're let go. I'm not buying into all this. I've seen it online. I'm not buying into all this stuff where people say, oh, you know, if they've been told they're let go, maybe they can't be bothered. Well, if that be the case, surely they're going to put on a performance for potential scouts to um, to keep an eye out and say, well, he's half decent. And I think he's being let go by Leighton Orient. We'll have a look at that one. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go out there and 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 give a, 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 a you know a performance not good enough on purpose. I, I just believe... We're set up wrong, and ultimately the players that we've got are just not good enough, and they haven't been all season. And we've gone on, you know, on January, and we've signed numerous players. We've signed Tristan Abrahams. The guy don't even get on the pitch. He doesn't even, he doesn't even get a start. He doesn't even get a look in. And you know, God knows how Danny Johnson has managed to score twenty goals this season. I have. It just shows you the quality of the man because um, the service has been poor. You know, it's just. For me, it's dreadful, boys. It's dreadful. Yeah. What, what would you like to see him going forward, Adam? Do you think Joby McEnough is the man to take Orion forward in the summer? Would you like to see a different coach brought in? Would you like to see a different setup? What What do you think needs to change to progress? Listen, Joby McEnough has played enough football in his career um, to have the potential to be a good manager. But I don't want... Joby McEnough to be late or it manager next season. And if I'm honest, 
uh, going by what social media is saying and a lot of people I know, there's quite a high enough percentage of fans that don't want to see Joby McEnough in charge of Leitner next season. And the ownership of this club have to take notice of that. For, for me, it's not about whether Joby could be good enough, could not be good enough. I think since the owners have taken over this club, and let's not make no bones about this, because I've seen some absolutely silly tweeting that this person should sell up, you know, all this... Some of the stuff I've seen aimed at the board is, is just ridiculous. These guys run the club fantastically outside of the football pitch. On the football pitch matters. There is a little bit to be desired, left to be desired. Mm. I think they could do a lot better. And I honestly think that they've got to sit down now and really honestly take a hard look at themselves and the strategy and the way that they employ and maybe think that this is time to change because... Uh, when they brought Steve Davis in, let's face it, Steve Davis was a good fit for Leighton Orient. We had a lot of young players. He was an experienced manager. And because of the short notice, it weren't a bad, for me, it weren't a bad appointment. But it didn't work. It yeah. didn't work. And um, the club accepted it didn't work. But they replaced him with Justin Edinburgh, another tried and tested, experienced manager who had a promotion on his CV, uh, been there, done it, played at the highest level. But since the unfortunate passing of Justin, right, they, they've got it all wrong. I think they've got their, their I've, I think they've got it all wrong. And I, and I, you hear of a few names that have, you know, been in the mix of Derek Adams, whether he'd have been right for Lane or in, who knows. But, um, I think they have to they have to go for an experienced manager now. Uh, clear the decks. Um, Dean Brill, Matt Harold, all the backroom staff, excellent players, will always, always be special to Leighton Orient for being part of the championship winning team that got us back into the Football League. But for me, I see. I heard somebody say, and uh, I've seen it said somewhere, um, everything's a little bit too cosy at Leighton Orient. It's far too cosy. Have a half decent footballing, you know, career at Leighton Orient, and you get a coaching coaching job at the end of it. You know, you can't even release a player without giving them a job back. <laughs> um, you know, it for me it needs completely clear, clear the decks, clear the lines, and also um, I've never really been into this whole um, Martin Ling debate as well. But I honestly think that. The time, the time has come now for Martin Ling to just concentrate on running the football club outside of footballing matters. Um, I think the footballing, bringing an experienced manager and just let him do the job now. Let him do the job. And uh, I think, listening to a Kent Teague interview this week, they've even said that Martin Ling's um, his role slightly changed under Justin, so he had nothing really to do with the footballing matters and just got, got on with some administration-style stuff. But let that be the case this time. Bring someone in who's going to have that same... Whether you'll get that same aura that Justin had, I don't know, but bring someone in who's got that same thing about them, that when, when they speak, players stop, they listen. That when they speak, players think, I want to play for this man. I, I want to win for this man. And... Um, that's what we haven't got. I listened to Joby McEnough's interview. I know you guys didn't play it. I listened to Joby McEnough's interview and I heard the most ridiculous comment I think I've heard 
since Fletcher said about, you know, if I knew that, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Joby McEnough saying that the players were 100% working hard for him. I didn't see one player that worked even remotely 40% hard yesterday, let alone 100% hard for him. Um, I, I'm, I honestly think... I, I, don't, I don't know. He does a good interview, doesn't he, Joby? Yeah. But I thought it was a ridiculous comment to make. <laughs> should have sat, he should have just sat there and slaughtered a lot of them. Um, and to be honest, when he come on, what did he do either? No disrespect, he's come on the last two or three games and he looks like he can't be bothered. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah. He let, you know, late on in the, in the when he came on, he let a guy just stroll straight past him into the box. I was, you know, um, yeah, I think... I think fans are getting sick of it now. And, you know, I was called, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to name names, but I'm sure they'll know who I'm aiming at. I was called overdramatic last night. I'm not overdramatic at all. You know, a massive majority of this fan base want to see uh, an experienced manager who's got managerial experience, not just the playing experience that Joey McEnough carries, but proper managerial experience. And for me, might be quite an outrageous comment to make. But if Nigel Travis and Kent Teague and Matt Poulter give Joby McEnough the job, for me, that's a kick in the teeth. That's a kick in the teeth to all the hard-earned late or in fact, hard, hard-earned you know, fans that have paid their money this season to not be able to watch games. Yes, the club have offered um, you know, some sort of a rebate on your tickets, but that's not going to outweigh what you've seen. You still haven't had your money's worth. But us as fans, like you just said there, us fans will follow, Steve. Us fans will always follow. I will continue to buy my season tickets, regardless of whether Joby McEnough is manager or not next season. But for me, if I employ Joe, if I give the job to Joby based on what I've seen, that's a kick in the teeth for me, I'm afraid. Yeah. It's hard to disagree there. It's hard to disagree. Is there any players who you think are essential that they sign the contracts in the summer? So obviously a lot of contracts are out in the summer. Who would you like to see stay? Because it's probably an easier ask than who would you rather see leave. Who, so who would you like to see stay? Tough one because um, Lawrence Figaro, I think Lawrence Figaro for me is one that has to stay. I know he, he started to divide a little bit of an opinion amongst some fans. I don't think he's going to stay personally. I think he's going to get a far better deal elsewhere on more money. Um, although some of his performances lately have been a little bit, a little bit suspect. Some of his um, decision making, but still, for me, um, the amount of clean sheets he's kept this season, um, some of the saves that he's made, um, I would definitely keep him. Uh, I don't see a sign. Danny Johnson's another. I'd keep Danny Johnson 100%. I don't think Danny Johnson's going to stay unless they're promising him um, a strike partner that actually's with him rather than the, the, the stupid formation that we play. Um, Danny Johnson has to stay. I'd give James Brophy another, con- another contract. I think James Brophy, even if he's just a bench player, um, comes on 70 minutes when, when the, you know, the opposing team's right back is shattered um, and just let him run at them. But then, to be fair, argument with that is how much end product do we get from James Brophy, regardless of whether he's on the bench or on the pitch? But he's an exciting player. I'd keep him. Um, um, what about Connor? People like Connor and Dan no. Happy. I, right, Dan Happy, again, has been... Dan Happy this season has been... 
extremely hit and miss. And and I think he he would even admit that himself. Uh, he he hit this massive peak, and then all of a sudden it's it's tapered off slightly. Yeah, Dan Happy, I'd give Dan Happy a happier contract. And Wilkinson's a tough one for that's a tough decision for me because um, he doesn't play. If you know, it's been sort of made known to us that he likes the position that he plays in. That's what Ross said, that he likes to play out wide and come inside. Well, he wouldn't be able to do that in a different formation. So if we're going to keep this absolutely ridiculous formation, <laughs> um, and I'm sorry it is, and I make no bones about it, it no. is the most ridiculous formation that I've ever seen. I, every team, let's face it, I know we're going off piece here because I'm having a bit of a rant. If I was the manager of every team, I would be... I'd be saying, right, boys, we're playing late Laurent this week. You know the deal with these guys. They're going to pump it out to to the big guy on the right hand side. It's got a bit of a temper, so run run your run your studs down his ankle. He's going to swing out. He's going to he's going to go for you. So get him booked or sent off. Give it to the little left back. Let him go past you because he's going to go down. He's going to dive anyway. <laughs> three of you, three of you, you might as well stay on the on the little fella up top because he's going to get absolutely zero service because we're going to stifle them out on the wings anyway. The two centre midfielders, if you call them two centre midfielders, can't pass the ball, so I won't worry too much about them. And the back four are susceptible to mistakes, and that and that for me has been the story of our season: susceptible mistakes. We, you know, our back four have been uh, when Adam Thompson came in, it, 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 and it, it sort of shored it up a little bit, but the back four, I mean some of the mistakes this season. But uh, so going back to your original question with Connor, if he can't play in a, in a two up top, whether we play 4-4-2 four, four, or 3-5-2 or whatever, I'm sure most fans are going to want to see two up top next season. If Connor can't play in that role, then it's not worth keeping because it's a wage that you could put elsewhere. And let's face it, the amount of players that's going to be available in the summer, to be a lot of players. There's going to be a lot of players... Um, I think mo- I think most of the squad are replaceable, to be fair, but um, I would keep them. And Connor, the jury's out on Connor. It just depends on what formation for me. Can I ask you about Cray Clay then very quickly? What about Cray Clay? What about um, the forgotten man who seems to have come back, or two of them really, Jamie Turley and Louis Dennis? Uh, we'll talk about Cray Clay last. Louis Dennis, <laughs> Louis Dennis um, has only just, looks like he's, He's like, it's like, it's like a teenager. He's only just woke up at one o'clock, and he's just so <laughs> woken up to the party. Like, he's, his performances the last few weeks have been okay. They've been decent. You can see that he's got something about him. Um, but it's too late for me. You can't offer him a contract on that. Surely, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I'm not a footballing expert. Um, but for me, you can't really give him a you can't really give him a contract when when the guy's only just turned up and he's been here for two years. So, so for me, no. Uh, Jamie Turley, again, he's came he's come back into the side and he's and and he's played really well. I mean, he that mad sort of yes, he practically physically assaulted someone at the start of the season, didn't he? Got sent off and then. Uh, the fans turned in him a little bit. I've always been a bit. I've always liked Jamie Turley. I think he was one of the reasons that that shored the defence up for the championship winning side. Um, he's a he's a he's a he's a tough lad. He's fast. He reads the game well, and he'll always attack the ball 
um, to, to whether it be in the box to score to, to a, you know up up the other end or defend the box. Is but injury prone, probably not, boys. Probably not. I think again is another one that's just been too inconsistent. And Craig Clare, I don't know how he's a footballer. I don't know how he gets. I'm sorry. I don't know. How, I don't know what all the fuss is about. I've never known the fuss with Craig Clare. He dilly dallies around the ball. He gives stupid fouls away. He's always out of position. Um, and when we played uh, Cambridge last week, he came off the bench, came in uh, literally, what, two minutes after coming on, um, didn't even attempt to jump for the ball that, that led to the to, the, to Cambridge's second goal. Mm. Not, I'm not a lover. I've never been a lover. And um, I know that some fans are. And again, this is going to divide opinion and I might get a bit of a slaughtering on Twitter for it. But... Um, uh, the proof will be in whether he gets another league contract next year. I, 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 I'll put good money on it that if we release him, he doesn't get another League Two contract next season. I think the same can be said for quite a few players, to be honest with you, Ad. 100%. 100%. Mate, thank you. You've provided some brilliant, brilliant um, points there and some real food for thought for, I think, a lot of fans that will probably uh, relate to a lot of what you're saying there, mate. So thank you very much indeed. It's uh, just a shame that the players... It's just a shame that the players yesterday didn't show the same passion that I've seen from the from listening to you guys tonight uh, with your you know your um, thoughts on the game and the passion that I've seen from the O's fans on on Twitter. Some people can say that we're a little bit over the top. Some people, some other some other teams could probably fans could look at our Twitter page and think, Jesus Christ, this lot of nuts. Um, but the, the what, all the, whether it's good, whether it's bad, you see the passion that's in Leighton Orient fans, and all Leighton Orient fans care about is Leighton Orient doing well. Whether you've got the right, whether you've got the same opinion as the next man or woman, it, it really doesn't matter. All they want to see is pride and passion. And if the players go out week in, week out with a bit of pride, bit of passion, and play for the badge, no one can ever moan. And Twitter would be a far nicer place, and Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else that you read it. Um, Unfortunately, the players didn't give us that last night, and it's just let's just hope next season that we get something a little bit more to uh, to, to to shout about. Amen. Amen. Adam, thanks as always. No worries. Thank guys. you for your sponsorship. It's always great to chat to you. No worries. Say every week, the king of the fifteen percent discount. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Ad. Take care. Speak to you soon. See you, bye. So that was our sponsor, Adam Francis. Some wonderful points to make, some great words. Thank you to Adam for joining us. So that concludes our views, that concludes Adam's views. So we'll go on to your views. So again, a huge amount of feedback came in yesterday. Just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with them. Thanks to James Hudson from across the pond from his email. He emailed us all the way from Australia. So thank you to uh, James there. He emailed us about Joby saying he was on the fence about whether to permanently appoint Joby um, but now after today says he does not think Joby is the man to take us forward. Thank you to James for your email. So we'll move back on to Twitter, Mr Levy. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much indeed, James, for taking the time to um, to send that in from all the way down under. Boatsy tweeted, said, that's it for me. Season done, clear out needed. So, so disappointing. Southend just wanted it more than us and our defending yet again is so, so poor. Taking DJ off and creating no chances 
Just be glad once this horrible season is over in two games' time. And just spoiler alert, a lot of the tweets that we're about to read out have a similar theme to them. Absolutely. Midar, President and Southend haven't scored at home in seven games, but scored two against a lacklustre Orion. If you can't get your side up for Southend, then as a manager, you're just not good enough. Responsibility has to rest with Joby. Terrible result. Hashtag embarrassing. Flaherty MGT said pathetic. At what point do we stop blaming managers and look at the lack of fight, drive and effort from a group of technically under par players? The attitude is so poor. Southend beat us on fight and drive alone. It's pathetic. Won't be watching a game this season. Well, luckily it's only yeah. two games left, to be fair. So, yeah. <laughs> Kevlar P18 says Mac enough is not the answer. That was awful beyond belief goes on to say the board must accept their decisions have cost us a chance at the playoffs just finish the season with something a little positive and plan for next year Wrecker Blue App said losing to that shower being best second best all over the pitch totally unacceptable and and disgraceful no fight no team spirit no clue absolute joke very upset with that display hadn't noticed that from that tweet to be honest with you Paul you can tell there's some very emotive words um, yeah. coming up and not being used in positive angle. SR Barber 1986 is absolutely shocking. We made Southend look good. This underlies why we are not in the playoffs and why we need a proper manager and a full mm-hmm. player and staff clear up. There's not many I'd be fighting to keep. All we want is a bit of effort. That's all we want. Yeah, bang on. Very I true. want to see 11 men walking off that pitch, giving it all they have in 90 minutes. And then you will not get any criticism from any podcast from any fans, from anyone out there. But we, we just don't see it time and time again. Orient ball bag. Most of these players need to be shown the door and a manager brought in that knows what he's doing. I, for one, will not be renewing my season tickets until I see who's in charge next season. The board needs to step up to the plate and appoint a manager. That's right, a manager. Had enough of this experiment now. We will see the true intent of how serious they are of getting this club promoted in the next manager they appoint. Joffen on to South and wanted it more from the first whistle. They closed us down and we looked fragile in possession. Awful. Vince Howard, 73, said Joby out and he can take the players with him. The fact he's never changed the setup is evidence that he doesn't really have any ideas of his own. I fear Joby gets the gig full time. Then, if Joby gets the gig full time, then the season ticket sales will plummet. Lee Tubert says, How is Martin Ling seemingly unaccountable for anything? If he doesn't go, nothing will change. New manager or not, the club culture that the owners arrogantly think is right is just a load of disinterested players and needs wholesale changes. All in Jin said, Deservedly beaten by a soon-to-be non-league side. The system doesn't work with these players and everyone can see it except Ross, Joby and Sender. Clear-out is needed for next season. Good point. But the managers are the ones who make the calls. But they have continued, like Adam said, to play in what has been, quite frankly, a baffling system at points. Paul Ravens, 39, said, absolutely appalling. If McEnough gets the job, then I give up. He's not the man we need to take us forward. And if the ball give him the job, then serious questions need to be asked. A complete joke. Went on to say, and I think this is a great tweet, went on to say, here's the issue. Who wants to sign a new contract with us if they don't know who the new manager will be? What if players get new contracts and a new manager doesn't want them? It's absurd. Now, I think that hits the nail on the head. I know Joby's interim manager, and at this point in the season, if you sacked anyone, you'd make him interim manager because you're so close to the end of the season. But to still have him as interim manager, bonkers. Yeah. After all this time, what are they playing at? 
I think one of the I things... I don't get it. I know I know it's been explained, and they explained it on the AGM, but they should have just, given him, they should have just said he's manager until the end of the season. It's not the interim. He's manager until the end of the season, and then after the season, we'll make it cool. But to leave him as interim, so he's still acting, it's just it does no one any favours. And how if you're Lawrence Vigoro and Danny Johnson and you're thinking Danny Johnson might be going, you know, in his head, thinking, right, I've got two offers on the table, or it's my attractive proposition, I'm happy here. However, I don't know what system we're playing next season. I don't know if I'm playing as part of a two, if I'm part of a one, what style of football I'm playing. But I know at Club X, I know I'll be playing in a two, I know why is the manager, I know I'll be playing alongside whoever and I know what's expected of me and I've quite fancy that although it'll be less money his head's going to be swung so how on earth do you expect top players to, to sign with you when they don't know who they're playing for what system they're playing under what's being asked of them yeah I, I don't disagree with anything you say I think the only caveat to that that I would say is the fact that in Kent's interview uh, recently he said that um, a very good interview that he said that they believe that there's obviously going to be a significant amount of players out of contract, particularly in the league above as well as in our own league. So there will probably be, and there's obviously only eleven starting positions in in the teams here. That that you know that there will probably be a lot of players that are you know prepared to you know that that we could get that maybe once upon a time were were without our reach, were outside okay. of our reach. Let me throw this back in you then. Or to the board, not to you, just out there. Go on. If there are League One and Championship players who are going to come down because the jobs aren't there anymore because of the smaller squads, why can't we go for a Championship manager or a League One manager yeah. who will be looking and going, football's getting harder to get into and I, I want a good job at a good club that's well built. Why can't we aim higher yeah. than a Joby McEnough or yeah. a Ross Embleton? I don't disagree with you. Why, you know... It is one of those where I'm looking at it and going, that's a valid point about the players. There'll be players who will get cut from squads, but at the same point, there's managers out of jobs now who have probably been out of football for a bit too long and might start looking down the chain and looking at the financial situation. Football's a different game than what it was from two or three years ago. Why don't we aim for these managers? Yeah. Got to do it. Got to do it. I don't disagree with you. Do not disagree with you. Orient Electric said, absolutely, a totally unacceptable performance. This season's been a been a joke. We could have and should have walked the playoffs. I hate the style of play. So negative week in and week out. Glad this season is now over. A massive re- rebuilding job now. Absolutely massive. Paul underscore LT2 pieces appalling from start to finish. Totally unacceptable. Why take off DJ, who got no service, and put on a player who is never going to make it at this level? I think Joby could have blown his chance big time. Richie J. Bourne said a shocking performance and not just the players but the style of play. The slow build up from the back, a defensive minded centre mid and as always an isolated Johnson. The Johnson situation should have changed months ago. Luber 84 says no passion, no desire to play for the badge. I sit and watch a little boy on the sofa across the room from me who would give his right arm to play for this club. Embarrassing from those on the pitch. Louise, I think I said the same thing earlier. 100%. These players living everyone's dream and they're letting us all down yeah absolutely Daniel underscore D44 so that was absolutely pathetic there was no urgency no passion we made it so easy for a poor south end why can't we play two up front I cannot work out what we're about pass 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 along the back and then punt it long then repeat madness 
Ryan underscore 36 as the end of the National League era of players clear out as much of the squad as we can and refresh also means a new manager this group just aren't good enough and that performance was the final now in the coffin Orient Meat Pie said absolutely shameful performance for a derby game no effort guts or ability poor selection poor subs poor all round I was very pro Joby but that was disgusting I'd like to see a massive overhaul this summer starting to think the only difference between Joby and Ross is that Joby trots out cliches more articulately because frankly, after the dead cat manager bounce, sorry, after the dead cat bounce of a managerial change, it's back to the same old nonsense and not just today. Yeah, good point. LOFC 1978 is pretty embarrassing, really. You need to try a new face from outside the club as a manager now. Internal appointments, be it Joby or the previous coach, aren't working and it all seems a little too clicky. Per player wise, I'd keep Riggs, Widowson, DJ, Wilco Kemp. Not sure beyond that. I mean, we've not even spoken about Joe Widowson, not even in the squad again. Mm. We had yeah. Samling last week, who was dropped, didn't make the squad, come back in. This week, Joe Widowson. And again, when Joby first got the gig, or the first game, Grimsby away, he put Joe back in. was all going to be so different. First play he brings back, Joe, Joe Widowson left back. Yeah. Moose broke the up top to the left, keeps a clean sheet, and Widowson's out of the team again. So this yeah. is just all a bit mad. Speno011 said, shambolic, absolute dross. We need a full clear out from top to bottom. The board are ambitious. Uh, they need to find the players and staff who can match this ambition because the day was shocking and tells me we need an experienced manager. I love Joby, but this proves it's a step too far. Ian Hutchison, 08, says, I'm a big Joby fan as a player, but is he the right man to take us forward and really push for promotion next season? For me, there's a real lack of passion from some players. And if Joby can't get them to perform every week, then questions need to be asked. Why are we so content with possession football when others at the top play direct? For me, we're falling into being the same old Orient from last season with no real drive and no game plan. Really frustrating. <laughs> hope that we'll get it right for next season. Kevin Cowland said a pitiful, that lack of desire is unacceptable at any level of football and there's no excuse for lack of effort. I'm sick and tired of watching this tippy-tappy rubbish. We're late in Orient, not Barcelona. Absolutely. Tom D. Simmons underscore Tom says, We had the better players, but the simple difference was Southend played like they believed they could still stay up and the O's played like they didn't believe they could make the playoffs. That's a very good tweet, that one. E4 Wizzo said, really wanted Joby to do well. Smart, likeable guy who's been a great servant to the club, especially considering how he was treated by the previous regime. But if that's the best he can get out of the players under the circumstance of today's game, then sadly, perhaps he's not the man for the job. Yeah, Adam E. Woodenhood said, I still think the biggest problem is the formation. So, agreeing with what Adam said earlier, I don't think the players like it or know what to do with it. It asks too much of a Valone striker and it sucked the life out of players like JMD and Wright. And the obsession with hamstringing Brophy at left back is baffling. Great tweet, Adam. Great tweet. Pandemonium1881 gets the penultimate word this week. He says, uh, Matt says, I didn't watch it, but from the reports I've had, forget what for one minute, the board, Martin Ling and the dugout. Why are the players not being dug out for a completely inept performance? We lose games, even to struggling teams, but the minimum, minimum you do when you pull on the shirt is give 100%. Forget what we can or cannot make, sorry, forget whether we can or cannot make the playoffs. Forget where you might finish. You don't get yourself on the beach. Uh, when you're on a 1,000, 1,200 or 1,500 quid a week after the rest of the country has had it bloody tough for 13 months. Show some pride and play for the badge. And the final word in this epic podcast goes to Dean underscore Seven Cox, who says, no passion, no desire, no will to win. Play for the shirt, 
no real intent to win the game and give the club a chance to get in the playoffs. Need to clear out and start again next season. The club have a massive summer on in their hands. But credit to Joby, knows what he wants and the team clearly needs. Board needs to decide what's going on manager-wise so the club can get a head start regarding recruitment and players that have been offered contracts. All the club want to keep, know who the manager is going to be, get the ship in order to be able to move the club forward. So loads of tweets in this episode. It's all been very, very emotive. We do read as many as what we can because we are so lucky to have all the engagement we can. So we do read many. So we hope you've enjoyed them and we hope you take them and value them uh, like we do. So let's know if you agree or disagree. You can email us at orinoutlook at outlook.com. at any time of the day from anywhere in the world as we've obviously just had an email in from Australia you can tweet us at Orient Outlook we're also on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast and we are on Instagram Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast but thanks again for all the tweets some amazing points made this week so thanks to everyone who continues to tweet us because let's be honest it's not easy writing some of those tweets when you're feeling the way you feel after a game so it never continues to uh, surprise me the engagement we get Mr Levy so we absolutely agree with you so we're on an hour just over an hour and a half as it stands right now Mr Nussbaum so let's crack on and wrap this one up then with Design Cadbury Prediction League Ian K. Richardson and Les LK52. Well done. I don't know whether to congratulate you or commiserate you for correctly <laughs> predicting the correct result. You guys both get three points, so well done to you. That means the top of the Design Cabby Prediction League is as follows. David Landau, 17, is still top on 32 points. Dan Alton, 2590, is second on, th- on 29 points. And on 23 points, it's a three-way tie between John Band 6306547, Rob MCC68, and Wadsey. So thanks to everyone who sent in their predictions. Yeah, David Landau, one hand on the trophy. So that's our friend done and dusted. And in late in the evening, it was announced that a social media boycott will be taking place from 3 p.m. on Friday, the 30th of April. So this Friday to 23 or 11.59 p.m. basically the following Monday on the 3rd of May in response to the ongoing and sustained discriminatory abuse received online by players and many others connected football. So this media, social media blackout takes place basically across the whole weekend next week and across a full fixture program both in the men's leagues and the women's leagues professional leagues um, where basically clubs are switching off their Facebook Twitter and Instagram accounts there will be no Laser Orient tweets or anything or posts on any social media platforms from 3pm this Friday to the following Monday evening at 11.59pm along with every other football league club and Premier League Club, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then to today, Sunday the 25th of April, the ladies were in Capital Women's Cup action today, away at Dorking, Wanderers ladies. Unfortunately, they lost the game 3-2 in a really tight game. Kaylee Exedus and Ella Medicroft scored two good goals uh, for us, uh, for the ladies there. So unlucky to the ladies and, and better luck uh, for uh, your future matches. Absolutely. We look forward to reporting on many more ladies matches. So yeah. time to wrap up this bad boy. So let's start with the fantasy football update. So Elliot Pierce is still top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league. He's on 2,097 points ahead of his nearest rival, Dylan Williams, in second place on 2,057 points. I'm doing all right, actually. I completely forgot that there was any football uh, on Friday in the Premier League. So my team... Uh, is exactly the same as last week, which is a bit of a bummer. So I'm in 51st place out of 295 players. 
Yeah, well done to you for that. I think you've gone up a couple of places, so well done then. So there are no positives this week that we can pull out. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if that's... I'm not sure if... Go on. I've got one. The passion of the fan base, the passion of people like Adam Francis, the passion of you and me and all the other Orient fans who are expressing themselves, who clearly care about the club so much. Whether you agree with what other people are tweeting or disagree, I think like Adam said, it's the passion coming through the fan base we're lucky to have, you know, the club that we have. And I yeah. think we all appreciate that. And, and do you know what? It's the fact that we all want the club to do well. We are all pulling in the same direction. It's just, I think yeah. it's just gone past the point of frustration. Now it's boiled over. So, yeah, absolutely. So go on then. Four negatives we've got this week, Steve. Okay. So the first up, two embarrassing defeats in a week. A week that promised so much this time last week. It's turned out to be a week from hell basically the second negative conceding six goals in two games a real kind of hammer six goals I mean when you look at them all of those six goals you look back on and go poor defending there's not one where it's been a moment of magic from an opposing player mm. and you go right fair play decent mm. all six terrible from a defensive point of view the third negative is the playoff dream even though not mathematically over realistically we ain't making no playoffs this season. And the last negative, and we, you know, we mentioned it in our South End game, is we wish Hector Kipriani better. Never nice to have a hand injury. And we hope the young man is okay. So let's move on into Heroes of the Week. We do have Heroes of the Week. So, Mr Levy, I believe it is your turn this week to announce our heroes. So, the Heroes of the Week this week are... Going to give it to the fans for buying and watching the streams consistently throughout the season slightly tenuous in a sense that usually we award it to someone on the pitch or, or in the dugout but uh, this week we feel it's really well deserved so let's move on then to next week's fixtures it's just the one fixture next week as we have our final home game of the season as we welcome Carlisle United to Brisbane Road Carlisle are in 10th in League 2 after drawing one all at home to Harrogate having played a game less than us they could still make the playoffs their last five games stand as one none drawn for and lost one yeah I think they were really struggling since coming out of their Covid um, period earlier mm. in the year because they were flying uh, at the back end of last year but a game that you would expect to win but who knows what Orient are going to turn up on Saturday you know who knows who's going to play who's going to be captain who's going to turn up hopefully the, you know the boys go out of a bang in the final home game of the season so time for a sponsorship reminder before we bid you a farewell so don't forget for the best plastering rendering prices around go and visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or on Instagram or look on their website or give Adam an email at the team or look at Big Ads LOSC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs Adam was fantastic again on the podcast continues to do a great job yeah. sponsoring the podcast and by doing all of the stuff that he does for AJF Plastering. So thank you to Adam once again. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode 244. It's been a poor and very disappointing week for the O's in a week that originally promised so much as the playoff dream was very much still alive. But after a 4-2 home defeat to Cambridge and a very disheartening 2-1 away defeat to Southend, it is season over as we see it. With two games to go, it's just fizzled out. And the most frustrating thing is it could and should have been so very, very different. The players, Joby and the board, now have a week to prepare for Carlisle and we hope to see a better performance and, a, and be a much happier pair of South Stand chums next week for you all. 
We absolutely do. So as always, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give our podcast a star rating, preferably five stars. And you can also follow us on any podcast that you are listening to. So if you listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, tune in or Stitcher, add us to your favourites or give us a follow. And that way you get all the podcasts as soon as they are uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers. So echoes and lexus whatever you've got at home just ask it to play you on out the podcast and it will do we're also on a new fan engagement app called fan hub so we had some new codes on yesterday morning they all flew out got taken up so the next time you see us tweet about fan code come and get involved with fan engagement you get to predict teams you get to read articles about all clubs it's quite the app and it is amazing so make sure you get yourself going on that and as paul said last week you know with the ESL falling through and lots of disheartened and disfranchised fans from bigger clubs. If you've got one who you think is wobbling, get them to listen to the On Out the podcast and they will never, ever look back. So don't forget <laughs> to pass on the pod. So Although we'll this isn't a great advert for them, is it? 245 <laughs> next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, stay safe and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Hey, set off, set off.